Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope Bible Study Podcast. My name is Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days begin. Leading our study today is the senior pastor at Point of Hope, Mr. Stephen Gossage. Pastor, welcome. What can you teach us today? Well, I hope to teach about the greatest hero of them all in our series, Heroes in Whom We Can Believe. Uh, It's not anybody else but Jesus. Amen. He is the greatest, the best, the most, I know it's not a word, but the most awesomest. (laughs) He is bad to the bone, and he was born to save. So our focus verse is found in Matthew 1 and 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so our focus thought is not something only that we can apply, but it's, it's very informational about what his mission statement was. His birth into the world and his death on that cruel cross that we talked about in our last podcast, Jesus provided salvation for every one of us who will believe and then obey the gospel. And into the hands of others, he committed the responsibility of telling everyone this angelic message, unto you is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In our lesson that we learned uh, in our series, or rather in our teaching in our church, we did a quick outline about, about how that uh, Jesus begun the task, and it all started with, obviously, the angel's proclamation and, of course, the shepherd's message. We'll get into all of that and how that it began to dovetail into the, the mammoth task of reaching the world into all groups. But, I mean, really, again, I just want to draw attention to the greatest hero the world has ever or will ever see. It's Jesus. And and, and what we want to talk about today is that the good news of salvation is to be proclaimed by not only the church, but the Bible says by all men everywhere. And so by being born into this troubled world, dying on a cross, Jesus provided an out, a ticket out of all the trouble, and into the into the hands of others, he simply handed this great commission off to his disciples and to his people even today. God made no other provision. Now I want you to hear this. He made a he made the responsibility in us as believers to take this message, but he didn't give that responsibility to anybody else. As a father, I want to draw this home to somebody that, that needs to hear this, that struggles who Jesus is and, and the mighty God in Christ. Jesus was God wrapped in flesh. And so God didn't send a son. God came as the son, wrapped himself in flesh. So in other words, he didn't hand off this responsibility to anybody else. He didn't make no other provision for somebody else to die on the cross, but he did it himself so that you and I can hear the good news salvation. That's a salient point to bring out right at the beginning of all this. And I think once you understand that, so much of the rest of the story comes into focus easier all the the groundwork leading up to it and everything that happened after right absolutely absolutely and so when heaven begun the task of sending this uh savior 
uh, it had been talked about from the very first promise of a Savior found in Genesis 3 and 15, and out even in 49 of 49 and 10 of Genesis, and then it, you, and in fact, you can find the promise of a Savior in every book of the Bible. Yeah, that's true. The Old Testament is promise given, mm-hmm. and as we've taught, New Testament is promise received or promise shown or revealed. So Jesus was talked about, and he was, he was prophesied, and he was promised this Messiah, this Savior was to come. And when heaven begun the task, when he actually showed up on the scene, the Bible tells us that the angels proclaimed, and God used angels four times to proclaim messages of great importance. I'll just, for our listeners, I'll just go ahead and do that right now. Number one, the birth of Jesus, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 2, 10 through 12, the resurrection of Jesus, Luke chapter 24, 5 through 7, the special announcement to the Gentiles, which was that the Gentiles, which is which means everybody that's non-Jew, mm-hmm. has access to salvation, <laughs> Acts chapter 10, 3 through 7, and then that the gospel is everlasting, and that's found in Revelation 14, 6 through 7. So when God sent angels he didn't just send them to say, hey, there's a deal down at the local Starbucks. <laughs> he didn't send them for some empty mission. He sent them to proclaim messages of great importance. And right at the beginning of their first appearance of what was coming, right there was the birth of Jesus found in Luke chapter 2, 10 through 12. So this this, this huge announcement uh, of the resurrection was made by angels, but they gave no explanation of just how the resurrection would save the souls of men. This was left for mankind to do. So in other words, God did the work, but it's the church's work to take this message to the world, this sure. lost world. We are hands and feet of yeah. the gospel. And laborers are few. This this is true. And so when wherever and whenever the gospel is preached, these three characteristics are always evident. Number one, the gospel removes fear from the hearts of those who receive its message. In other words, greater love casteth out fear. So when faith enters the heart of a believer, fear leaves. I believe that there probably is somebody out there. Not no, no. I don't just believe that there's some randoms. I believe that a lot of people, mm-hmm. I'd say millions of people, have the fear of un- the unknown, especially right. after death. I, sure. I think that's obvious, right? But when faith enters the heart of a believer, and you have that settled with regards to your spirit and how you've responded to the gospel, according to Acts chapter two and thirty-eight, Acts chapter four and twelve. Uh, on and on and on. There is no more fear. That fear is is chased off because you can rely and trust in a God who never fails, who will never leave us or forsake us, but that we reside in the palm of his hand, both in this life and in the life to come. And that's really important, especially now, because, you know, I'm in probably my third full read-through of the Bible. And I can't tell you how many times I've read or have seen, fear not, don't be afraid, don't fear, you know. Right. And the world we're living in today, everything is built on fear. 
especially right. through the last couple of years with right. with COVID. I mean, right. COVID was a big fear. Now right. we've got a war going on, and, right. and I don't want to date the podcast, but right. there's such a heavy spirit of fear that I don't know how some people do it without the gift. I mean, I, I didn't have the Holy Ghost until, uh, well, July of, mm-hmm. of last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I managed, but you know, you right. never know how, how well you're carried Right, until absolutely. you gain that perspective and that appreciation, but there's such a, an oppressing fear. It's it's all you see when you turn on anything. That that's well articulated. That's exactly right. There's just no room for fear in the heart of a believer, and you shouldn't want it. You shouldn't right. want that. Right. You shouldn't and, run to it, embrace it. And Sometimes, you have a way out. Absolutely. And that's why Jesus came, <laughs> yes. the greatest hero of, of them all. Thank you. Jesus said it in Luke 12 and 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's, ready, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In this world, we'll find ourselves, as you were referencing, in the midst of a whole world this whole fearful age that we're living. Fear is a way of life. Yes. And so uh, fear among people continues to grow even as the end times are approaching. But what a wonderful thing to know that that's not what he came to do. He came to cast out fear. And with the gospel and the responding to it properly, according to the word of God, it removes all fear. So the number one thing, these three characteristics, wherever and whenever the gospel is preached, these three characteristics are evident. We find that the fear is 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 ran off, as it were, from the hearts of the believer. The second thing is that the gospel brings great joy into the life of a believer. Amen. I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest joys mankind can experience is the joy of your sins being forgiven. This great blessing is a result of experiencing salvation. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, Therefore with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Romans 14 and 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy. Ready? In the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. It's not difficult to understand why the angels thought it important to declare that this good tidings of great joy was coming to save all of humanity. And then finally, the third one is peace, goodwill towards men. It comes with the gospel as well. Everywhere that we see there's hatred, there's racial prejudice, there's religious bigotry. Israel, at the time of Jesus' uh, arrival, was under the iron heel of Rome, and the Jews were responding to their Gentile rulers with a fierce hatred. Little has changed in the, in the world today in that respect. It's a world on fire, Steve. It's a world in crisis. Mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think it was Wendell Wilkie that said at the close of World War II, he said, America has won the war but lost the peace. Events were proven that Mr. Wilkie was correct because only in the hearts of a Christian believer is there ever true peace. The only, there's a song, the only real peace that I have, dear Lord, is in you. Everywhere else, there is none. It's not in the stock market. It's not in the messaging from from Hollywood or Washington, D.C. It's not in some great leader. It's not in anything 
other than in Jesus Christ and his spirit residing within us. Greed, selfishness, hatred, prejudice reign supreme within the hearts and minds of most individuals and people. Not only among nations do we witness tension and unrest, but this condition is present within many homes and churches. So probably even right now, if you're listening, you may have tension and unrest in your home, in your spirit. You wonder why you can't sleep at night. You wonder why in the world that you just don't ever seem settled. Contention tears at many homes and families. The Bible says that, or rather Jesus said it, in in describing the end times, he said that there is going to be a division. In other words, that that mother to son and son to to father, and and there is going to be a dividing there, and that's happening. There, the enemy is attacking our homes, and he's attacking our peace and our joy. He's robbing it. He's robbing it. That's right. And in spite of all this. The angels are still proclaiming, Steve, that there's peace on earth and there's goodwill towards men. What divides us, listener, is not our skin color, where we come from. I'm going to tell you, it's not even what we've experienced in our life, both good or bad, whether we did it intentionally or not. What divides us is our willingness and our understanding that Jesus came to save us from our sin. The apostle wrote about was the actual capitulation to the will of God. He said, if people would just cease fighting God, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, sure, sure. would cease fighting God, and they would just completely, fully surrender to God's will, there would be a real peace upon the earth. There wouldn't be wars. There wouldn't be rumors of wars. There wouldn't be famines and pestilences. There would be a real peace. But we know there is a day that's coming when Jesus is going to rule and reign upon earth. And the, pre, the peace proclaimed by the angels will actually forever become a reality. Amen. Now that's just talking about what they did, uh, what uh, the, the, uh, uh, the angels' proclamation were. I don't. I'm not even going to get into the shepherd's message. Sure. That happened in Luke two and seventeen. The Bible says that they made known abroad the saying, which was told them concerning the child. So while the angels told the shepherds three things about Jesus: that he is the Savior, he is the Christ, and he is the Lord. Right. These shepherds reiterated that as well. When they met Jesus, you see, they came in. The Bible says they came in one way, and they left another. Now, it was referencing that Herod had had talked to them, and uh, the wise men, rather. And uh, the Bible says that when they met Jesus, that they met another way. I'm going to tell you, when you meet Jesus and you respond to this, this message of salvation, I promise you, you're going to leave another way. No, it changes you. It does. Peace and joy. But let me get to this in this last few minutes of this. So we know what Jesus came to do. We could talk about all that, and it is notable. But let's be clear that we don't receive this gospel as people of God freely by itself without responsibility. We get it freely, obviously, to receive salvation for ourselves. But it's our job also to take on the Great Commission. 
So his mammoth task of saving the world needs to become the church's or the followers of Jesus' mammoth task. So what we need to do, like Mark 16 and 15, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So number one, we need to preach to all the world. Acts 1 and 8 tells us, And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus didn't come to save a select few, not 144,000. That's no. a lie. He didn't come to save the white man only. He didn't come to save the Jews only. He didn't come to save the black man only or the brown or the yellow. He came to save everybody, everybody that would hear this message. Yeah. And I love that. I, I love that he, he sees us in our need and he calls us. And I believe that every person on this world, Whatever it is, billion of people, eight, nine billion, whatever <laughs> lot, the, the yeah. number is. I believe on somewhere, some level, that God will speak to the heart. Whether you have a preacher preaching to you or not, I believe he'll speak to it because it's bred in us to realize that within our own fingertips, we do not have the answer to life's problems. So the gospel is to be preached to the whole world. I can I could stay right there. And and as I've already referenced, we're preaching to all groups of people. Yeah. Consider uh, the three men whose conversions are recorded in Acts, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight, Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter nine, and Cornelius the Roman centurion in Acts chapter ten. I don't think I'm going to get into all of this because of our time is leaving. But consider the four other individuals to whom Jesus ministered, who also represent various types of people. Number one, the centurion, which was a Roman army officer, was the commander of one hundred soldiers. The Syrophoenician woman. Upon only one occasion did Jesus minister outside the borders of Palestine, and she was the one. (laughs) How about the criminal? Not only is the gospel for people of every race and nationality, I want to just drive this home. The gospel is to be preached to every people of every class and culture. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Finally, the publican. Since publicans were considered most by and large, tax collectors for the Roman government. They were the most hated of all other classes of Jews. So it doesn't matter if you're a Roman soldier with regards to what you're placing in culture, and, and I hope you see the application here. The Syrophoenician woman that needed a healing, that needed God to respond, or the criminal, or the publican. The good news of salvation is that all people, regardless of race, class, and culture, can repent of their sins and be saved. That's pretty heroic to me. Absolutely. So Jesus selected others to help with the Great Commission. He, He selected the 12. They were chosen. He selected the disciples, which means learner, and he applied it to all followers of Christ. He applied, he, he called the apostle, which means one sent forth on a mission, and he trained them to carry on his ministry and work while he was in his earthly ministry. Then the Bible tells that there were 70 sent. Jesus in Galilee sent forth the 12 in groups of two in an evangelistic campaign. It had to have been successful because he later used the same method in Judea, but on a larger scale. Yeah. Jesus committed the ministry into the hands of his followers. They must not fail. We must not fail to preach the gospel, and we have to stop pre-qualifying people. Yeah. Well, we have to make it important. I mean, it has to be important. 
I mean, right. everything's at, at risk. And you know, that message, that commission, that's not just for, for pastors and Sunday school teachers. That's right. Everybody. We're all called to share and to be shared with, too. It's it's a two-way. I mean, I, yes, I can, can always learn more, and I want to. Yes. And I want to stay hungry, and I want to find people who are hungry and I don't know. I just we should be talking about Jesus to anybody who will listen. Absolutely. And maybe sometimes to those who won't. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Because just like the 70, the Bible says Jesus said to them that if they don't receive your gospel, shake it off and move on. And then finally, the command is to all of us, the people of God, the church, to reach every person. Mark 16, 15, again, he said, And he said unto them, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is what's called the Great Commission. It's irreva. It's it's you, you, I just say irreva. Well, I'm struggling with the word. <laughs> Here you go. You can't take it away. It's a command that it's uh, uh, you. It's just it's always there. It's a persistence and ongoing command. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully the editor will hear that one. The command was not to be questioned, but was to be fully obeyed. Every phrase of the Great Commission calls for and it demands wholehearted and explicit obedience. Yep. When he said preach. He expected obedience. When he said baptize, it was a command. The disciples were not to question. They were simply to believe and obey. We talked about that in our last podcast. And so as I'm kind of heading around third base, heading for home here, in this great commission, he commanded the disciples to do five things, all of which are vital to fulfilling the will of God in the world. The number one thing, the disciples were commanded to go. Mark 16 and 15, I already, already read that to you. Go ye into all the world. The second thing, the disciples were commanded to preach. Preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16 and 15. The disciples were commanded to teach, number three. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, Matthew 28 19. The disciples, number four, were commanded to baptize, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then five, the fifth one, the disciples were commanded to observe all things, Matthew 28 and 20. Jesus placed a great emphasis on the command to his disciples to proclaim it. And we take on, we become heroic in our nature if we take on this great commission and we take it on as our task to reach because we want people to know that there is a way out. There unto you is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. So if you're out there, if you've not received the, the Spirit of God in your life, i.e. the Holy Ghost, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for everybody that you know. Jesus is calling you, and I don't want you to, to just slough it off and say for a convenient uh, time, I'll respond. Uh, there's precedent in that in the Bible. I don't have time to get into, but it's found in the book of Acts. But I want you to know, you ought to hear it right now. This heroic Savior, this God that loves you, that knows you, the Bible tells us that he knows the very hairs of our head. They're numbered. He knows your down-sitting, your uprising. He knows where you came from. And yes, he also knows where you're going to end up because he's the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. And he is calling every man, woman, and child, no matter what you look like, where you come from, or what you've done. And it's for you. Listener, you can have this great salvation. And if you've had it and you've backslid away from it, you can have it again. If you still have breath in your body, 
your God is still calling you. Don't run. Don't run away. Hear the word of the Lord. You know, one of the things that you say in church sometimes that sticks with me is when we get up there, how we're going to be judged, mm. not just by what we've done, but what we haven't, you know? Oh, and man. I, I don't remember the exact wording because you, you say it a couple of different ways, I think, to make it land in a couple of different ways. Sure. But, you know, if we're not doing that, if we're not following the Great Commission, then maybe we're not being the disciple that we're supposed to be. All right. So I would encourage you all to uh, read it in the book. So Yes, sir. Well, that's all the time we have for this day. Already? I know it just goes right by, did it? But I pray this was a blessing for you and that you'll join us as we continue to study God's Word. Please follow us on our various platforms so you won't miss an episode of this exciting series. Goodbye, and thank you for listening. Irrevocable. I still can't get it, Steve. Someday. I'll save it for the next podcast. Right. All right, goodbye.